Welcome to today's podcast. Today we are excited to have with us Mei Lin Wan, who is the Vice President of Textile Sales at Applied DNA Sciences. Applied DNA Sciences are changing the face and the transparency and traceability of the textile industry. And today we're going to find out how that can be achieved how can we improve transparency and traceability in our supply chains? Maylin, welcome and thank you so much for joining us. Oh, thank you, Debbie. Very pleased to be here and happy to share with you some of our experiences and insights uh, on the topic of transparency in supply chains. Maylin, you have such a vast experience. I can't wait to, to get into our conversation today. This issue is so, so, so topical and really does impact everybody's future, regardless of what they're manufacturing. Maylin, could you give us a brief summary of your career so far and your role within Applied DNA Sciences? Oh, happy to do that. My uh, career started as an analyst uh, looking at biotechnology and scientific companies and industries and understanding how they operate within clusters. And um, on Long Island, um, you may not know, but there is a cluster of biotechnology and science companies located there. Stony Brook University is in Long Island, Cold Spring Harbor Labs, Brookhaven National Labs. Uh, so it's a real... Uh, uh, island uh, with a long history of uh, expertise and science in um, bi biotechnology mm -hmm. in particular. Um, and then, you know, I've worked with uh, Dr. Jim Hayward, who's the CEO of Applied DNA Sciences, and it was really his vision um, 15 years ago to um, head up this whole um, e effort uh, in uh, Applied DNA to, uh, you know, really see how this would um, be relevant to world trade. Um, we estimate between five to, you know, as high as 10% of world trade as applicable based on our technology. And so my role at Applied DNA at a very high level is really about how to provide assurance and trust in supply chains and helping clients assure their materials in the supply chain and really know their supply chain. So at the end of the day, it's about trust. Mm -hmm. It's about, you know, who do you trust? Can you trust the materials that you're using? And do you trust the people that you're working with in your supply chain? So Applied DNA Sciences then, was that founded about 15 years ago? Yeah, it was about 15 years ago. Um, the company was actually incorporated in 2002, mm -hmm. um, and Dr. Hayward uh, relocated the company from Los Angeles to Stony Brook. And really the idea is behind Applied DNA is to offer brand suppliers and man manufacturers in the textile industry uh, real solutions related to supply chain authentication traceability. And one of the core technologies is the development of molecular tags. Okay. Um, it's what we're very well known for in the industry. Okay. What is a molecular tag? A molecular tag is um, a DNA synthetic tag that we make. 
it's in a way uh, like a barcode, um, if you think about it, but made out of DNA. And that barcode can be very specific and made to a specific product, or uh, it could be designated for a brand, or it could be a tag specific to a particular location where you're making your product. So um, it's a great way to apply it onto lots of materials like fiber, for example, um, where you can tag um, with these very small molecular tags, um, you know, millions or billions of fibers. Um, and then once they're tagged, you can then verify them in yarns, at fabrics and finished goods. So um, we, we, we see this as the future of um, many supply chains, not just textiles, but actually in lots of other industries. Yeah, you do work across other industries as well, don't you? So interesting. Maylin, our listeners are professionals working within the textile industry and um, specialising particularly in print, actually. Why is it so important that we start to focus on the DNA of the textiles that we print onto? Um, it really comes down to um, whether you can prove that, you know, it is your material, and even if it's your packaging. And um, in order to be transparent in the supply chain, you really need to know um, that the product that you've um, made and packaged is authentic, and also that it is not diverted, meaning that it it doesn't go to a, another distribution channel. Mm -hmm. um, it actually goes to the actual authorized source of the distribution. Um, many brands that we talk to literally say to us, we can't sleep at night because we know there's at least someone out there taking our logos and intellectual property and then scanning them digitally, copying them and then printing them onto products and then claiming them as their own, you know, under their brand name. So, you know, the repercussions of this are um, very vast in the sense that, you know, you can lose your reputation and market share. Um, you can be um, uh, subject to lawsuits that may not even be your product, um, but you might be sued for something that was unsafe or not performing correctly um, just because your brand name is on a product that wasn't yours even in the first place. So a lot of companies, they go, oh, don't worry about packaging because often it's not utilized. But I would actually say um, packaging is actually the first thing the counterfeiter will, will copy to give the impression mm -hmm. that the uh, original product is in there, even though it may not be at all. So um, it's very important to be able to secure packaging. I think also as well, you know, in, in the, particularly as we become a move much more towards um, sustainable credibility, we'll go on to that in a minute, but it's so important that if you are, as a printer, selling um, a service to a client and saying that, you know, it's an organic cotton or it's on a cotton with, you know, particularly perhaps lensing fibers inside there, um, using your DNA tagging then, that will allow them to actually authenticate that supply chain all the way through, won't it? Yeah, that's correct. And that's the advantage of tagging the product itself. It enables you to actually verify the product itself as opposed to, you know, what the industry typically uses as a paper certificate yeah. or a transaction certificate. And while those um, have a place and use, um, there's no real way unless you're actually verifying the product um, and checking it. 
And that's been the hugest sort of gap yeah. um, in supply chain management and risk management. Yeah, <clears throat> absolutely. May Lin, in your opinion, what's the true scale of greenwashing and what certifications could our listeners currently rely on? Well, it's actually interesting um, to observe that just in, uh, you know, the last few years and more and more companies making more claims that their, brand, their brands or products are the most sustainable or the most eco-friendly. Um, and there isn't really any product, whether it's cars or denim or sneakers, that's immune from greenwashing. Um, there are different certifications for different types of claims. So, you know, there's a claim, um, a certification um, uh, called FSE for wood, for example. Um, uh, Oikotex uh, does some testing for chemicals and textiles. Um, there are different companies that do um, GMI testing. We do GMI testing, for example. But the certification is not a get out of jail card entirely. You know, I think a lot of people are, you know, under the impression that they get the certification and that's it, they're done. Um, but what's happening now is that there's more scrutiny on um, what the certifications are what the certifications cover. Do they cover all the products or does the certification only last a year? Like what exactly is behind the certification? Um, so I think there's a lot of improvement and room for improvement mm -hmm. to happen um, so that companies don't just rely solely on certification. They actually do the due diligence to actually check the supply chain and verify it themselves. Um, I, I think you're absolutely so. right. You know, in, in our industry, the textile industry, people are relying heavily on certification. But as you've just said, that kind of leads us nicely onto the next question really is of, you know, how big an issue is traceability currently in our textile supply chain? So, you know, I see lots and lots of people marketing things because they're certified, but how big an issue is traceability? Where are we actually currently up to? I think that many uh, CEOs um, and COOs and legal departments now are figuring out that they need to be on top of this whole issue of supply chain and sourcing and therefore traceability. Um, the um, risk uh, and the, the liability to companies, whether you're public or private, um, you're still under the same degree of scrutiny. You know, how bulletproof are the claims, uh, the marketing claims you're making about social, environmental, um, all the different uh, variables that can impact your company positively and negatively. So, you know, I think it is, traceability is top of mind just for the fact that more companies now are, the burden of proof and the onus is on them not to just superficially make a claim, but actually deeply know the supply chain and do their due diligence. And that's really what's happening, I think, more and more. 20, 2022 is going to be, I think, a, a, an important year um, for the companies to start to indicate what the due diligence plans are, not just that they have a uh, sustainable, the most sustainable denim gene out there, yeah. right? What What is behind that claim is really going to be the key um, uh 
key point uh, for many of the CEOs of companies today. Definitely. If we could just kind of skirt back a bit then, how are brands and huge manufacturers, how are they currently tracing supply? What kind of lab depth are they going to or what, what, what information is actually currently available to them? Well, typically most companies rely on paper-based uh-huh. certification. So that's, that's one. There are some uh, or- organizations that are mapping the supply chain so that they know not just what is in the tier one uh, part of the supply chain, but you know who are the other suppliers and manufacturers in tier two and tier three, all the way to tier five. Mm-hmm. Um, there are some companies that claim to use blockchain or digital barcoding as a way to at least follow the movement of goods. Um, and then, of course, you know, for over a decade, the use of RFID um, f- as well for tracking purposes and, um, you know, holograms and barcodes. There's a lot of different traceability solutions that have been out there for decades. Yeah. Um, but it, But now... You know the counterfeiters have gotten also very sophisticated. Um, they they know what those solutions are as well. So it's really what is the best application and um, solution that's appropriate for your supply chain and for your brand. That's really what we work very hard um, with the clients that we have. So I guess that once you've placed a molecular tag, it can never be removed. It's invisible, but it can't be removed. Um, yeah, I mean, you, you know, if you, you know, set something on fire, you could probably remove it. (laughs) (laughs) That's probably one, that's probably one way to remove the tag. But for the most part, um, once the tag is applied onto the material, um, it stays there, uh, for, you know, as long as that it's on that product. And, uh, so that's one of the good things about it, that the immutability of it. Um, makes it easier to authenticate um, after it's been produced. So interesting, isn't it? Maylin, could you explain the function of your platform, Certain T? Um, the platform was developed because there was uncertainty in supply chains and complexity <laughs> in supply chains. <laughs> That's how it started. Yeah. Um, and really the function of certainty is three things. It's to tag, test, and track. Uh-huh. Um, any any material produced in the supply chain can use this tag, test, track method. And um, so if you want to tag a raw material like cotton, um, we can tag it in the fiber and then we can then test it in the yarn, in the fabric, in the finished product. Um, and then for tracking purposes, we also collect information about where we tag, when we tag it. We also um, uh, collect testing results as the product is being produced in real time in the supply chain. Uh-huh. And that's the difference between a molecular tagging track and trace system as opposed to a paper-based system because the paper-based system is somewhat static. Um, it's not really necessarily 
um, collecting testing data as the product is being produced um, in production. It's usually after the fact, oh, send me some samples and I'll test it later, right? And yeah. then we'll issue you a paper-based certificate. But that product could have been produced, you know, six months or 12 months after the fact. Um, and who even knows who produced the paper certificate <clears throat> because it could be easily, you know, um, uh, you know, defrauded. Yeah, it's um, gosh, it's so it's so open to exploitation, isn't it? At the moment, it really, is the the whole system. Um, Maylin, what information then do we actually need to authenticate, and what data do we need to capture? And I'm kind of thinking here, you know, the origin of the manufacturing progress process, <clears throat> carbon. Um, I guess within that molecular tag, you've got all of the branding information, et cetera, et cetera. What do you actually need to need to embed? Um, it could be anything. It doesn't have to be just one thing. Okay. It could be um, information, like you said, about the brand or the manufacturer, um, the location where it was, was produced, the type of product um, it is. Um, you know, we've had some clients request different tags um, for different years so that the tag can be changed um, on an annual basis. Uh, so it really is um, uh, can be customized in a way to fit the purpose and the need of the supply chain. And that's the beauty of the system. Um, it's very versatile. Um, and one tag, for example, could be used for all products. Um, that's another way to think about it too. Um, it, it can achieve many things, you know, not just protecting the brand, but it can also ensure the supply chain stays pure um, all the way from the source to the shelf. So important, very, very important. Um, where do you start, Melin? How do how do you where do you start and how do you mark the DNA of a fiber, for example? Um, that's a great question. Um, we basically start at the beginning, which is for cotton. In exa for example, we would tag up the fiber stage um, at the gin, just as the cotton's coming in from the field mm -hmm. and being processed into bales, um, and. By tagging at the gin, we know, for example, what the social and environmental practices are at that location. So if you're concerned about forced labor, for example, by tagging cotton, say, in the U.S. at a specific gin at a specific date, time, and place, which we track all that information, um, you can then eliminate um, the use of any forced labor in the cotton immediately because you know the precise data um, where the cotton is being produced. Um, for recycled polyester, we would tag at the pellet stage um, just before extrusion, which means the DNA tag is put inside the fiber, um, which is a different application. In leather, we've tagged it in different finishes at the tannery, and that ensures that the safe chemicals and, and safe uh, finishes are used on the surface of the leather. In down and feather, we can tag it onto the feather itself. So there's just a lot of different applications. We do printing applications where we can incorporate it into continuous inkjet inks. Um, really? We've done, interesting. Um, 
epoxy acrylate type of inks, uh, you know, very wide range of different varnishes and inks that we've done over the years. That would be an incredible development, wouldn't it? Really would, because, yep. you know, at the end of the day, in my field, in the digital textile field, you know, if you're using certified inks from the manufacturer, manufacturer, fine. But once it's printed, how do you know those inks were actually ever used? That's, um, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, that's right. And, you know, inks are a good way to um, verify our uh, originality, at least. Um, maybe not all the way up to the raw material, but um, if you use an ink on packaging, at least you can verify the um, that the packaging is original. And, you know, people forget, but for example, a good example of packaging is like wine bottles. Yes. Wine bottles... Um, are actually in some cases more valuable than the actual wine itself <laughs> because if you go back to the really old wines um, some of those bottles are worth thousands of dollars if you can get you know a wine bottle from the 1800s and then fill it up with you know whatever you know wine you can find to put in the bottle and then sell it for you know ten thousand dollars so you know, it's a misnomer, I think, to think that packaging is an important part of the equation because it is everything that's the first thing that the co consumer sees, actually. It's, it's, it's so interesting, isn't it? We, we kind of touched on my next question a little earlier, but we'll still, we'll still go there because the tag at the end of it, I think, is really, really important. So, you know, we touched on that um, certification is becoming increasingly important for the future of the textile supply chain. But of course, that certification also has incredible added value because it proves the product's credibility. Would you agree? Yeah, I mean, I think it's one part of um, credibility. I mean, there are other things that go into it as well, not just certification, but definitely it's an important part of the um, the process. And um, I think what's more needed is systematic physical authentication that supports certification. And if that can happen, then I think that will definitely add, make credibility um, for the product and for the brand so much stronger. Yeah. Definitely, because it's, it's it's closing the loop, isn't it, really? Yeah, that's yeah. right. We all talk about circular, but uh, this is circular in a different way, in that we actually know all the way back to the fibre exactly what is in that product and what you're purchasing really is, um, what you expect and meets all of your expectations. Um, so how would you read? How, how, how is it actually read, Melin? So if you... Would it be read, read in its digital documentation or is there actually a way of scanning in some format? How do you actually know if, if it, the product has been tagged? Um, well, because we make it out of DNA, the tag, um, we use PCR technology to analyze the DNA, we're all PCR technology. Yeah, we're all familiar with yep. those at the moment, aren't we? <laughs> yep, because of COVID. Yes. And a PCR test is really the most, um, we believe, the most uh, secure way to authenticate product. Um, you know, there are portable devices and lab devices that we use to analyze uh, tag samples. 
the portable devices uh, could be installed at a factory um, and with some training, um, the factory could analyze some of the tag material. Um, some cases in recycled polyester, it might be a pellet, it may be some fiber or filament yarn um, that's authenticated. And the portable device um, enables you to be able to check as you're producing the tag material in production. Um, the test itself takes about uh, 30 minutes to 40 minutes to uh, authenticate, but it is a PCR DNA test. So uh, you can be sure that if the tag is there, then uh, you're good to go and you can continue to uh, make your uh, fabrics and finished products. And that's really the key because if you can't test the feedstock and you can't test the gray goods and the yarns before they get made into fabric, um, it's very hard to then trace it back to the source um, after the fact. It's much easier to trace a product from the beginning as you're making it and going along and collecting the test data, as opposed to, to when there's a product recall, everyone's scrambling and trying to figure out how to get back to the source. And it could take, you know, months to get to the source and you would have spent more money trying to backtrack and trace it back. Uh, whereas if you just use a technology like ours, then you just have the d data available um, already because you would have been testing and putting that data into your databases and, and um, you know, ERP systems um, that would already be tracking and tracing the product as it's being made. And that's the difference. You know, I cannot be more clear about that because um, it is the opposite to how a lot of companies think about traceability. Many companies today still think traceability from finished goods. They are not thinking about traceability from the raw material. It's so important, isn't it, really, as well? I mean, you get so many um, unscrupulous mills as well. So, for example, you might say you've, you've got a certain percentage of lensing fiber in a blend, for example, and there may very well be lensing fiber in that, but there might also have been topped up with cheaper fibers too. So I guess, you know, by doing your DNA testing, all of that will be totally flagged um, and you would, you would see exactly what's in that textile product. Yeah, that's right. And, you know, in the case of lensing fiber or, you know, other viscose fibers, because currently now there's a lot of issues in Xinjiang um, related to weaker uh, forced labor. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of uh, viscose um, and, you know, material coming out of China as well. So while the focus has been on forced labor for cotton, um, I actually think that viscose and lyocell is also subject to the same scrutiny, um, which just hasn't been as widely reported, but it will be, I think, going forward in 2022. I agree with you. Yeah, there's a, there's a huge push here, isn't there, quite rightly, um, as we move forward. Um, and we, ha we do really have to get to the bottom of this and know exactly what we're using and what we're actually printing on because at the end of the day, it's kind of always driven by consumer too, isn't it? You know, that the consumers are becoming more and more aware of sociable sustainability and social and responsible ethical manufacturing. Um, and for a brand to have absolute credibility and make sure there is no greenwashing going on in their supply chain, then they really do have to look deeper and trace everything. 
Maylin, how does the future look and what emerging technologies should our listeners be aware of? Well, I think just generally and more broadly, and you just touched on it um, just then, is that the consumer um, is looking to um, engage with brands that are truthful and authentic. And that's kind of the jumping point for how we think about things in the future. And I think that what's happening in other industries like food, um, in beauty and skincare and nutritional supplements, for example, um, this idea of a clean brand, a clean product is something that I think is going to become more important uh, in the future in the way consumers um, purchase and engage uh, with uh, the choices that they ha- they can make. And we're already seeing it, like I said, in other industries, not just textiles, where um, they're at, the consumer is actually saying, I am buying this clean product um, from this brand because they claim to not have these materials that could harm me. Um, they claim that they are sustainable because, you know, they use certain types of packaging, they use certain ingredients. And so if you think about that, um, the future for the textile industry is this notion of how do we promote and substantiate how clean our brands and how clean our supply chains are um, if we're going to meet uh, a consumer that's um expecting um, uh, a more clean uh, product uh, solution. So that's sort of very high level, the way that I've been thinking about how we as a company and how our technology addresses this issue of uh, the very clean, conscious consumer. Um, And then, you know, from a technology side, the future is really PCR technology um, because it's getting faster, smarter, more compact. Um, In-field testing is really the future. We're looking at ways we can provide data on the product itself within minutes of testing anywhere in the world. And so, you know, the future is really scaling uh, PCR technology and making it more accessible. And maybe one day in the future, the consumer could do the PCR test themselves, which would be amazing. It would, wouldn't it, really? Definitely. It's all so, so, so interesting, Maylin. If you could put a timestamp, I guess, on the requirement for transparency and traceability, when do you think it will become best practice globally or even better, a legal requirement? I mean, my timestamp is now. Yeah, definitely. (laughs) I think the best practice is to do something now, do something and not do nothing. Um, But I think, you know, to be fair, the best practice is to do what makes sense for your company right now. And if it means using, you know, tools like molecular tagging or cotton genomics, um, any way that can help you provide and achieve a more transparent and traceable supply chain, I think, is something worth really thinking about and investing in. You know, you're investing into the future of the sustainability of your own company, yes. let alone meeting sustainable claims. Um, it's really about how do you sustain your company in a, in a quite um, 
in a much more informed um, and um, uh, global communication environment uh, because information um, gets transported in seconds and reputations can get destroyed in seconds um, based on, you know, uh, um, information that's moving around. So I think that's something that companies are are very aware of and uh, anything they can do to ensure that they um, are ahead of and actually um, have a strategic advantage. Um, that's kind of the way I think of our platform. It gives you that strategic advantage immediately because we touch so many different materials. Um, we've been working in authentication for textile materials for over a decade. Um, our platform, to the best of my knowledge, is probably one of the very few technology companies that have been court tested. So, you know, I think when you think of it holistically and in totality, um, the, you know, there's many things that companies can do that are best practice um, today. Uh, they don't have to wait for, um, you know, DNA testing to be, you know, available to consumers in 10 years. They should uh, think about how they can utilize technology now. May Lynn, something, another question has just popped up. Do you think then molecular tagging will also have huge benefits for the future of recycling? Yeah, I think so. I mean, we're really doing work in recycled PET, but there are other recycled materials that could be utilized. Um, we've been talking to various brands and manufacturers about how to close the loop on um, a more circular uh, based um, supply chain concepts. Uh, I think that the um, the, there's lots of different types of recycled processes. Yeah, of uh, some are mechanical, some are chemi chemical. Um, our systems could work in either of those environments. Um, so it's really the question that comes down to claim. What is the claim that's being made? Um, and then we can go from there, you know, that's really, really the, the core of everything. So interesting. Maylen, thank you so, so much for your time today. You know, the knowledge that you shared just kind of informs and inspires all of us to, like you say, to switch to best practice as quickly as possible and to stay ahead and informed on new technologies that are coming forward to make sure that we all strengthen our businesses because this, this is a topic that cannot be ignored. Um, it's not going away. Um, we do have to trace and track all of the components of manufacture and that's you know that that's as you said 2222 is going to be a very very important year and it'd be interesting to catch up again in a year's time and see where we've got to Marilyn thank you so much oh you're very welcome Debbie and uh, you know if anyone has any questions feel free to contact us uh, on our website we will we'll make sure that um, your contact details are all in the show notes as well um, thank you so much thank you Marilyn all right, thank you, Debbie.